Hi, this is Alex Hicken with the Very Hicken Bros podcast. We are recording episode five of season five. Um, this is a pretty exciting episode. Oh, this week was exciting for me. Um, Nick shared a new song, so that's going to be exciting to share with you guys. Um, Trevor and I, or Nick and I kind of <laughs> caught up. How are you, Trevor? um alive and worked 13 hours today nice when did you go into work i guess that's mean yeah (laughs) so I tried to hold in the laugh, but I couldn't. I'm sorry. All right. uh, Nice to hear. Okay, good. Glad glad to see you and hear you wearing your Overwatch jacket. It's good. Yep. yep. Still playing Overwatch. So, uh, Overwatch 2 is being delayed again? Why? What's going on? Yeah. So they had a what is it called? A investors call? Is that what they call it? Probably when probably an know. earnings call, right? That's yeah, earnings, earnings, call. earnings call. That's what the word is. Yeah. Yeah. And they uh, also project like the earnings for well, isn't that what it is? The earnings call is what they call for the next year. Um, well, yeah, usually they Blizzard, summarize the earnings from the last quarter and they talk about upcoming quarters, upcoming years. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't actually watch the whole thing. I read reporting about it. Did you watch any of it? I mean, I didn't feel like I needed to. <laughs> I got everything I needed. I to just all the reactions. Watched uh, people rant about it on YouTube. So, um, yeah. So there's two two games that were uh, delayed uh, out further back from the initial delay. Um, Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4, which is like the two big money makers coming out next year. And uh, there's a lot of disappointment coming through the Overwatch community. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's no, been... like, I was just going to say there's no date saying it is, per- it's like, for sure 2023 but just the way it's worded is that it's 2020 yeah Yeah. a lot of people were assuming that it was going to be a 2022 release they showed this game off in 2019 and the people thought okay for showing it off like this now okay 2020 is reasonable maybe 2020 comes and goes we get fucked by the pandemic and everything else okay let's we we were fine this is delayed 2021 comes around we're like okay where is this overwatch 2 news also not really happening now it's almost the, it's the end of 2021 and now everybody can they said that the overwatch league is gonna be playing a version of overwatch 2 in when that starts up and Trevor, when does that start like spring uh april april so uh, theoretically that the the overwatch league will be playing a version of a playable version of overwatch 2 and that still won't be available and now every everybody's reporting it basically like it's gonna be 2023 which Hey, maybe that's true, but I mean, from what I heard, they just 
what they said was their earnings are going to be lower for that for the 2022 period or whatever that they, than they could have been if they had like basically they're de- they're delaying some projects and that's going to cause a lower profit for them. That could just I mean I want to be a little bit optimistic and say hey maybe that means it's still coming in like holiday season 2022 maybe what if it comes out like no what if it comes out if it comes out in a year still really annoying but it's possible maybe but pretty much all the youtube personalities are treating this as it being a 2023 release which is pretty sad because we've been waiting for this for many many years and uh almost Trevor and i can attest to that yeah yeah i know yeah. i mean this game came out in 2016 i started playing in 2016 or 17 like pretty early trevor played in 2017 we've been playing this game 20, almost 20. daily for five years or something so it's been and we still enjoy the game that's why we play it obviously it's like it's still fun to us but it's still a little bit like it's just sad watching this kind of crazy mismanagement i really want to see what happened i I would love someday for somebody to to just let us know like hmm you know 2019 we had five percent of overwatch 2 done and then nobody worked on it for an entire year and a half then we had to finish the development in all of 2022 and then release in 2023 like just give me some context because if you don't give people context all the players are just going to be like what is going on what is going on with this yeah so you know kind of sad picture like i one of my coworkers knows that i play overwatch and he comes in and he's like oh i'm I'm so sorry and i'm like this is totally out of context in the the beginning of the day and i'm thinking like someone has someone died what has happened and I'm like, nobody I know has died. I don't think I'm, am I dead? Like, no, like I think everything is fine. And then he's like, yeah, Overwatch got delayed. And I was like, oh, oh yeah. I mean like, yes, okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah it Everyone knows. Yeah, I know, even, I mean, everyone knows. It's like, it's not a great situation, but um, I don't know. I have mixed feelings on it. It's like I, some people like Trevor and I will probably wait and end up playing it anyway. But even though even though that's true, I'm still a little bit like not not much they have shown us. Overwatch Two looks like that much of a departure from the first game for for the PvP, like the 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 team based play. So it's like, hmm, really, it's taking four years or whatever this is to develop a game that looks pretty much like the first Overwatch. Mm -hmm. I love that game, but it's just it's it's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything else to add, but I just hope uh, maybe an update within the current Overwatch to keep us interested. So. Yeah, More than it'd be just nice skins. to put some new content in there. <laughs> yeah. Just put skins and, you know. It, the, the most the, fun that I've had that with that game was the April Fool's event where they put a bunch of crazy stuff into the experimental yeah. mode. That was, that was super fun. And all it was awesome. They, they weren't ridiculous. They were workable changes to the characters. And I was like, wow, this is great. And they haven't done yeah. anything fun since, <laughs> since then. So, oh well. Oh well. Um, I had a little bit of this funny new cameras. Yeah, I mean, this isn't really a camera show, but I'm a camera person, so I thought I'd talk about it um, just really briefly. Uh, for there's been a transition happening in the kind of in the camera world where 
people were using SLR designs, which are single lens reflex cameras, where you hold your camera and your view of the world is reflected up through a mirror into a prism and into your eye. And you press the button, the mirror flips up and takes the picture, and the mirror flips, flips back down. That's how cameras have worked for most people for like 50 or 60 years. And then mirrorless cameras started coming out, like Sony and all these other people. And uh, there have been there have been professional mirrorless cameras for many years, but the two kind of biggest names along with Sony are Canon and Nikon. And they're they're finally releasing their big some of their big professional cameras. So it's kind of cool to see the Canon R3 and the Nikon Z7. Um, it's the equivalent of, it's basically these $6,000-ish cameras, which are very high-end and expensive. These are not really consumer cameras, but it's uh, pretty cool to see that they're taking it seriously. You know, I, as, a, as a person who loves cameras and technology, I've kind of, I've thought that the future is mirrorless for a long time. And so mm -hmm. now seeing that these big, obviously the big companies were going to move to the future eventually. But I think a lot of people were waiting to think, are Nikon and Canon going to be able to release their high-end models as these mirrorless cameras? And yes, they are. I mean, the, the R3 and the Z7 are as good or better than the highest-end cameras, they, the sports cameras they had before. So uh, I'm not going to buy one, not my thing. I don't need one of those models. I bear, you know, it's not, I already have an incredible camera system that does other things, but for the people who do that, like wildlife, wildlife photography, sports photography, action, um, extreme weather, like all these, where you need the, the indestructible camera body to take awesome photos of really fast moving things. These new cameras are going to be really cool. So I love it because I love mirrorless cameras. I, after using a new modern camera, you, you look at an old camera with a mirror and you're like, what is this? Um, <laughs> I, I, and I don't hate old cameras. I love my film cameras. I love my film cameras that have mirrors. Like to me, nowadays, I just associate having a mirror in your camera with, yeah, I'm gonna shoot film and use my old camera. Otherwise, mm -hmm. if you're shooting digital, just get, just move to a mirrorless camera. It's, it's better in almost every way. So um, just a kind of a short thing saying that I'm glad to see that the R3 and the Z7 exist and they're probably gonna be great cameras for people. And I've read a few um, early reviews and they seem to be as good as people say they should be so good stuff so they is it like them saying catch up with sony sony fanboys would say that but <laughs> you know yeah maybe maybe it is i don't know i don't i owned it i owned i spent a lot of money on a sony camera once and i didn't really get along with it that well and i sold it it was Aww. fine the quality <laughs> the image quality was great i just didn't really like the feel of it whatever Too small. i wanted a medium format camera i needed a bigger sensor but uh, uh, yeah, I think in a lot of ways that they're catching up or, or now they're like exceeding that. Like they, they finally took it seriously and made, they like decided they're going to create cameras that are as good as Sony cameras or better in a lot of ways. This is, this is right. kind of Canon taking it really seriously. So in a way that's kind of nice because Sony has been making awesome cameras, but they haven't really had competition in that mirrorless high-end zone. And now they do. Like now it's, now is the time yeah. where Canon and Icon are saying, you know, I think Nikon's selling it for, I think it's like $5,500, which is a lot of money, but for that camera, that's, th those cameras have always cost six or $7,000 in that, in that lineup. And so to, it's not that much money really for what they're doing. And it's, it's like 45 megapixel, 20 or 30 frames per second with autofocus for 8k recording. It's, it's everything you need in a camera for a lot of people. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Catching up to Sony, but at the end of the day, Better. some people just want to keep shooting Nikon or Canon, you know? 
I'm somebody who I just, I love how cannons feel in the hands. So I'll just, if I had the, if I needed to buy one of those, I would buy the cannon one more than Sony because I like how it feels. That's really what matters when you use a tool, right? Whether, regardless of what you're using, no matter what, no matter what your craft is, if you want it to, you want to enjoy using it too. You don't want it to fight with it. Like I just, I used some of the buttons on the Sony and I was like, this doesn't feel as nice as my Canon. <laughs> and that was, because, and honestly, the image quality was kind of similar. So I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm just going to yeah. get a different camera. So I did. And I have my Fuji, which is beautiful and amazing. But um, yeah, they're, <laughs> to summarize, yes, they are playing catch up to Sony. But um. I mean, yeah. In terms of new toys, there's always tons of cameras and stuff. But did uh, did you end up buying that new ring? Um, yeah, um, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, last uh, like, last episode we talked about talked the about ring. Something. Yeah, that episode it had the most views that I have we've seen in a long time. So I'm grateful for that. Um, I'm trying on the. This is not the ring. This is a, just a to test the size, and so I'm I'm testing the size. They say to use it on your index finger. They recommend that, so I'm gonna try that out. I have one. I was just on gonna my say something finger. to that, but like I literally wear jewelry on my index finger too, because so, that's a pretty normal thing. Yeah, I think it looks kind of weird. I asked my wife if she thinks it's weird, but yeah. Uh, I'm gonna probably gonna wear it, this new version on the ring finger. But... You can wear it on the ring finger, yeah. The, or, yeah, uh, I one. usually, I usually, yeah, I wear the first or the second generation I got on the ring finger, but I'll probably wear the third generation here. Do you wear you don't so you don't normally wear a wedding band? Uh, this replaces it because the my original one is I don't really like it <laughs> because it's it's hollow on the inside because if I like. If I wash and do things with it, I could get junk in inside of it, and I don't, I, I can't really clean inside of the hollow ring, so it's I don't really yeah. want to deal with that. <laughs> you do you? Yeah. So anyway, you're uh, the new one. That's are you? What, what are you most excited for with that? Uh, I'm excited that it could uh, predict my health. It's this is not really that deep of a topic. I'm just kind of following up that I was able to convince <laughs> my wife to let me get myself. I was, was kind of curious. I haven't really looked into it because uh, people's fingers obviously come in many different sizes, and ring sizes are there. There is a kind of a standard for ring sizes. So, do you, when you're ordering one of those things, you just choose a different size based on the size of the ring you wear? Is that what they do? Do they make them in a bunch of different sizes? Yeah, what they do is they send you a box of, I think, maybe 10 sizes or so. Um, and you get a try on each size and see whichever you, one you think is best. And then you tell them what ring to give you. They give you a ring sizing kit. Hmm. That's kind of cool. I mean, it takes an extra step. But with something you're wearing, it's not like a an adjustable band or something on your wrist. Like with a ring, it has to pretty much fit well yeah. enough or else it's going to fall off or it's going to be too tight. So it's kind of one of those annoying things for a company that makes rings. They have to make sure that it fits you well. I didn't know mm-hmm. how they handled that. It's cool. Yeah. Do they have a uh, plated shipment date or just like a 
<laughs> no, they, they didn't say when they're going to send the ring. Um, the initial delivery date is the 15th of November. So, pretty soon. It's pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, I don't know how soon after or on that day I'll get it delivered, but sometime around there. <laughs> new toy is always exciting. Yeah, yeah, you got a lot of new toys. <laughs> That's funny. I had an item in here to talk about, which obviously I already kind of went off about the new MacBooks that came out, but all the reviews came out. People have been using these Macs, and I've just been like thinking to myself, hmm, I wish I had a reason to own one of these because <laughs> I mean, there's been tons of people. I know the Verge review is great. Um, there's also Austin Mann is a kind of a well known photographer who does reviews of cameras and equipment and his review of the new M1 Pro MacBooks for photography was great. Um, but really, for it, basically, sort of in the aftermath now, we're seeing all the performance of these new Macs. And it's essentially the best performance you can get in a mobile computer at all. For if you're, if you're at least if you're not for gaming, but for anything producing content, photos, audio, video, where you're a professional making things, they really do seem to be, by all accounts, the best computers you can buy, which is awesome. I, I grew, I am old and I grew up in, era, in an era where Apple was known kind of for being the, you know, you, all the people in recording studios and video studios and photographers, they all used Macs back in like 2000 and 2005 and 2010. It was, it was just because they were cool and they were great. And now I feel like we're almost getting back to that now where you have these Macs that are just incredible for content creation, which is, that, that makes me happy. You know, they, the design is a throwback to the old power books in a way with the, with the chunkier design and this and the sort of soft curves uh, on the radius there. And I don't know, everything makes me, I don't have one yet, but I'm thinking about it. If, if I can find enough, if I can get a couple more jobs and get some money, I'll probably buy one. But uh, I just, I just look, it's not every day, you know, I f that you feel that good about, um, I don't know, or release. Maybe, maybe some people do, but like when with Apple stuff, I usually feel mixed about things. Hey, this is going to be a cool product, but, Maybe it's not for me or it's for me, but it could be better. It's like, it really seems to be the home run computer that everybody wishes they had made and they did it. So uh, kind of another small thing. I don't have much more to say other than that, but I, I'm excited hopefully somebody to get one of these or at least to see it because it really seems like the second coming of the PowerBook. It's the, it's the media creation computer for the people who are serious about it. Looks beautiful, it's super fast. The Verge said that in normal use for them, it lasted 16 hours on battery, which is really a lot of battery life. So um, I haven't used it, but I'm stoked on the new MacBooks. So have you seen any limitations on the M1 laptop you have and the need for the M1 Pro? Um, well, so, so I did, I turned in that M1 laptop and got the iMac, which is the same chip. Um, so it's the mm -hmm. same kind of thing, but now I have 16 gigs of RAM in it. I I would say I haven't seen any, I can totally work with what I have. So it's probably fine. But uh, when I'm using some apps like Capture One, which is a raw raw photo processing app, mm -hmm. it could be faster. It's definitely, it's, it's faster than my old Mac for sure, but it, it could always be faster to load previews and to load, you know, everything. Create You can never have, until it's exactly instant, you can always have a faster computer. Um but I'm, I'm really impressed with the iMac that I have. I have the 24-inch iMac, and it's it's been fine. I mean, the one thing to be sure is that 
the main work I do on this desktop is from one of my clients that I do photo retouching for. And she shoots with a camera that's not that high resolution. It's like a 20 to 24 megapixel camera, which is a normal professional camera, but it's not like my personal camera is a hundred megapixel camera, which is huge data. So I haven't had to do too much of that with this. If I wanted to open a ton of my own files in this computer, I would need more RAM. So I would need to buy a new, a new computer with more RAM if I was doing that all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for my current workload, I mean, this my Mac is fun. That's why I'm not like running out to buy a MacBook Pro, even though I really want one. Because I, you know, I, it's not like I have a business reason to do that yet. I need to wait till I have more expendable income to do that. Um, if I was getting tons of work where I needed it, I would buy it. But until then, this this iMac has been pretty good. But uh, just because they're such amazing machines, I'd still want one of those new laptops, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had another thing here about a- uh, Apple ad tracking transparency, but I just talked kind of a lot. So, you know, we can kind of skip that. Just the, the two-sentence thing was basically Apple added something to iOS where users had to choose, hey, they want to, you have to, be, it says oh, this yeah. app wants to track your, uh, wants to track you for, for displaying ads. And then you can say, hey, ask this app not to track or allow it to track you. And uh, there was a report saying that basically the, it costs some companies like Meta or Facebook, like billions of dollars in revenue. And I really cannot find myself to feel bad about that. So <laughs> Um, I saw it was interesting. <laughs> the link I saw said it was like it caused various. It caused the industry like ten billion in lost profits or something, split between all the major social networks that use tracking. So um, we'll just leave, we'll just leave it there. I thought that was interesting, and I don't feel bad for these companies at all. I, I that to me that just means that it's working. That Apple's Apple's <laughs> privacy thing is like wow. You know, here's a here's a way to tell that people are not getting as much data from Apple devices because they're losing because advertisers lose money on being able to track you. So kind of a win for us. I mean, I, I don't want people to track me that much. The only, the only downside I feel like is sometimes I do turn off track tracking ads on things. And then I get ads for random shit that I'm really not interested in. Yeah. And I think to myself, why are they showing me this? And I realized, okay, oh, cause, cause they can't track me and show me things that I care about. <laughs> so, I mean, in a way it is kind of annoying too. Cause then there's just, I'm, I see random ads and I'm thinking to myself, well, this has no. This is not pertinent to me at all. But okay, would you? What do you guys think? Would you rather have something that knows more about you and gives you ads that you care about, or would you rather them not track you and just give you random ads that you don't care about, but at least they're not tracking you? I would rather see that the jackets and men's feed. So, what do you think? <laughs> oh, regardless, yeah. I mean, my. Yeah, my feed's full of leather anyway all the time, so. <laughs> Seems like the video is going to end in 10 minutes. Maybe you'll upgrade to something, I don't know. But, uh, How does that even work? Uh, yeah, I, was gonna, I kind of wonder if the Facebook uh, like activity increased because I kind of feel more comfortable using the app with iOS now because... I could choose and tell them not to track everything I do. <laughs> so I st- I installed it again and I use it, actually use Facebook again on my uh, iOS devices <laughs> because I could choose that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of think that 
it is it's funny though how it's worded it says it doesn't say do not track me at least on, on ios it says ask app not to track you so maybe mm-hmm. i mean obviously the operating system can can give indicators to the app and say this user doesn't want to be tracked for anything but i don't you know i don't know if the if that is a that's not a guarantee that you're not being tracked it's just telling the app that you don't want to be tracked so i'm curious because it's worded so specifically how yeah, much tracking weird. still goes on you know, maybe Facebook just goes, okay, I understand you don't want to be tracked, but we're going to track you anyway. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know that really. I, it wouldn't surprise me to see that some companies are nefarious, but um, I mean, there's a reason that Apple it, words it so specifically. Apple doesn't say, this app is not allowed to track you. It just says, ask the app not to track you. But if they're losing billions of dollars, they must be losing some kind of information that's valuable to them. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. So now with with this report, they're losing this much money. That means it it must be working in some way. Mm-hmm. It's kind of doing right. its job there. So I mean, I don't really feel bad for any of those big multi billion dollar companies, but especially the ones that are complaining they're losing some ad revenue. I mean, some of those companies I dislike less than others, but for the most part, anything associated with Meta, other than the fact that I use Instagram a lot. They are still overall a pretty evil company who does bad things all the time, and it's kind of terrible. So, if they're going to lose money, I'm not going to lose any sleep. Yeah, I think I heard that Snapchat had lost like twenty percent of their revenue because of it. That's a really significant amount. Honestly, not not their revenue, but ad revenue. Uh... Yeah, that's well. Uh, are you guys up to? Um, recording another one after this one. I I could cover one my last topic, and then we could talk. We could do a the pixel review and interview about the song. Yeah, I mean, I haven't, yeah, we haven't really talked about the pixel yet. We Trevor's been able to use that for a while, so he probably has some things to say. Yeah, so yeah. I'll I'll Good talk job. about the Alcala crowdfund, and we could record another video for that. <laughs> well, um. I've been talking about this, and Trevor's like, "Oh, what's Alcala? What's crowdfund? What are you talking about?" And Hello. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been looking forward to this, and I've been telling Nick about this. He warned me, like, "Oh, be careful! Don't give people money if you don't get anything back and stuff." <laughs> but uh, Alcala is the new. It's going to be like a. A blockchain platform for the polka dot to allow people to um, make their DeFi or de- de- decentralized finance and apps to be more scalable and interoperable with other blockchains. And yeah, I actually started using an app more recently because they say they're going to work with Alcala. Um, so what the crowdfund is for is the Polkadot. Polkadot has 100 slots that blockchains like Ethereum or Bitcoin or Doge or something, they could uh, plug in to the uh, Polkadot blockchain and maybe uh, Solana could trade with Ethereum or uh, the 
you could put the Bitcoin on Solana or something like that. And yeah, does that make sense, Trevor? Uh, Solana. Solana is a is a blockchain. It's a, oh, okay. They uh, they recently passed up. Uh, uh, Doge. No, it's a Cardano. As Cardano. Cardano. <laughs> as one of the most uh, the highest. Uh, not they don't have the okay, highest, so, but they so place be... your bets. How long is it going to be until there's a Kardashian cryptocurrency? <laughs> So they are like, I earned a one Kardashian. Like, oh, great. That's worth like nothing because it's like totally made up fiction of monetary value. But <laughs> uh, anyway, this dystopian no. future. Yeah. So um, the crowd loan started today, this morning, and I was able to put my contribute my dot into the crowd loan it's cool because there's like four options and the second option lets me like still have you know how you could borrow against the loan or extorting stock huh extorting no i as another analogy (laughs) i have a 401k have like a few thousand dollars and the the company says I could pull out half of that value and pay them back. It's kind of the same way. There's a liquidity dot coin that I could use while the my dot is locked in the crowd loan. So I could still I could still access some of the liquidity of the my coins while it is in locked in the crowd loan. And yeah, so I chose that option. The the loan <laughs> the slot uh, or the blockchain will go live like mid-December and that's when I'll get 20% of my award and I'll get the rest of it after the two-year lease of that slot and yeah I'll also be getting an NFT so (laughs) that's what I'm looking forward to Um, another thing that's cool is that uh, the Alcala blockchain or platform is compatible with ethereum so i'm i'm kind of interested to see how that works <laughs> if i could use my eth wallet and transfer that way <laughs> yeah did that make any sense to you <laughs> yeah that's yeah. good i mean basically you chose an option that allows you to not lose value while it's locked in place so you can still access it instead of like you know like if you have a retirement plan right you can't just like 
take out money because then they like fine you a billion dollars because it's yeah set apart for something and that's basically what you did. When I was younger and I took all the money out and bought a camera and nobody fined me for that. So, <laughs> well, it's a different thing, right? It's not like a four hundred one k. Yeah, four hundred one k. It's pre-tax and you have to pay a bunch of taxes afterwards and in order to pull it out. Yeah, the four hundred one k. My employer keeps telling me like you should be doing this. And I haven't set it up yet, so I have no money in retirement. And I'm, you know, I'm not going to say I'm approaching middle age. I'm young still, kind of, but still. I'm yeah, maybe you'll die at 60 young, years so. old. <laughs> You're like 25 seconds on this recording. Okay. Yeah, so um, our, our Zoom call is about to end itself. So um, we'll be back with the Talk to You Later show. <laughs> so I should just have us continue recording, Alex, on our own personal mics, and then you'll just. We'll just keep it all synced up that way. You'll edit that pause out. I'm just going to keep the recording going. I'm not going to stop it. Yeah. Okay. Same. I'll do that. I'll wait for the new link. We're back now. Recording in progress. Here we go. Round two. Round two. Fight. All right. Back into the mix is Google. And I'll get my phone right now. Oh, yeah. See, this is a pixel. Pretty nice. Slick, slippery, fell into mm-hmm. a couple of crevices last Not couple orange. days. No. It's dark. I'm I've never had a dark phone, you know, everything's like green or like some bright bright like teal color. So it's nice. Um yeah, it has Android twelve with the material U design and has a really nice camera. I did a shoot with Alex. We went out and to a little night walk, and we went towards this like apartment, like sign, and it was just like a lit up like tower, and it had like uh, the apartment's name on it. So I shot a couple of photos with both this phone and my old OnePlus Nine Pro, and they're comparable. Some of them they like pretty close to each other um a couple of them the one plus was just didn't pick up like like was unnaturally like background like the the sky was blue for some reason like that's odd i don't know why i would do that well i don't i don't don't think they're comparable at all if you don't like that one picture that's like the only picture that's actually comparable like when you took a picture of like uh, the art gallery, the colors are all weird and disgusting looking. <laughs> and uh, uh, that when you took a picture of that car, all the angles were all messed up on the car. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, so the first well, photo that can't be the photographer's or... fault. It has to have been the camera's fault. Yeah. Well, I, so <laughs> the first photo was of a motorcycle, the BMW. It was a pretty nice motorcycle. The details went deep in the pixel, where the OnePlus is pretty face. You couldn't, it was just grainy. They couldn't see like yeah, that's any detail when you zoomed in. Um, and then the next one was like the art gallery. Um, just better colors in general and pixel. Again, not as much detail. Um, the pixel did then, have a weird blue tint in the window that didn't really match. Oh, from the light. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's like some background lighting that they had in one of the windows. Um, when it was like a white color, but it came out in blue in the pixel. Um, yeah, it's a little weird. Well, I don't know. What it, however you take it, it's good or bad. Um, and then we went over to the, the tower. Do you have the pictures Some on your it, computer? No, I probably could. I don't know if they sunk over from both of them. I could check, but I don't know if I wanted to spend time right now to waste oh, podcast okay. time. Maybe next time I'll bring it back up. Okay. Um, yeah, the last one was the truck. They had two different wide angles. The one plus wide angle is just like distorted on the edges. Like, it's like stretched it out, made the truck look um, like wider than it was, like unrealistically. Where the, the Pixel phone would look normal, like realistic. So I guess that's the difference. Um, but aside from this camera, I would say the phone functions, if anything, better than the Pic- uh, OnePlus 9 Pro. Like I played Duel Link, so <laughs> that was my like way to like gauge its like uh, power, I guess, because it was super yeah. smooth. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, very like, power-consuming app." <laughs> First all the animation, power dueling. <laughs> um, yeah, and then the only thing i missed from the oneplus 9 pro is just like a crazy like warp speed charging on it this mm. one's like slow charging it takes a long time to charge it from whatever percentage up to 90 or 100 percent. but everything else i'm pleased with um the design you nice. find that your battery lasts most of the day or or by the end yeah. of the day is your battery dying that was good um i I only had to charge it when I got home because I wanted to have it like, if I needed it later. It was at 15% and I... So, I mean, obviously, I mean, fast charging it. is nice, but it's not necessarily yeah. necessary. I mean, if you charge your phone every not night, then you're probably fine, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, if I do need it charged for some reason, like if I'm like going to a coffee shop, I can just quick charge it if I had a OnePlus 9 and 30 minutes would be like, 70, 80% already, which is nice. Not that I need it, but it's good to know, like, if I do have an emergency, my phone won't be dead. So. Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of the most recent, um, I guess the Series 7 Apple Watch. They made, like, the fast charging was one of the new features. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I just charge it every night. It's, it's always fine. Like, what's I, what is that going to help me? But there's mm-hmm. always that one situation where you find yourself for whatever reason with your device, you haven't charged it and you're going to leave in like 30 minutes and you need it charged. And in that, in that case, it does, it does, it feels nice to have, be able to have something charged faster yeah, than just once in a blue moon, super, super slow. <laughs> but I think most yeah. of us who use our phones and devices a lot, we probably charge them overnight. I mean, most people are used, used to putting them on the charger and, that's just what you do because most devices don't really last two full days, maybe a day and a half. My old iPhone 11 Max or whatever, that could last maybe two days. But for the most part, people just charge overnight. And they, it's not, that's a normal thing, I think, right? I don't know. I do that. But I like to think most people probably just plug in. I can't imagine why you wouldn't just do that while you're sleeping. 
yeah, I think we, as a whole, it's become uh, like it's like second nature nature for anyone. Just plug it in, recharge while your phone's recharging, right? So yeah, for real. But like, I guess if you have one of those fast chargers, you don't need to do that. You can just wake up, plug plug it in go about your routine and then on the way out you can take it off charge and you're good to go that's true some people wear their apple watches for sleep tracking and then when they get up in the morning they go take a shower or something and they charge it while they're showering and it gives them most of a day's charge just by that and i can understand the appeal of that personally i just take evening showers and charge overnight <laughs> but for the people who still want to do that they can do that which is good so if, if you really need to you can charge some phones or whatever I guess the OnePlus, you could charge really quickly. Um, too bad that the Pixel doesn't do that, but it's probably still good enough, right? I mean, for the most part, Fine, if the yeah. battery does its job, at least you're not dying at the, at the, at the end of every day. Yeah. I, I had music going on for like three, four, five hours today, and perfect. And I didn't have to worry about the battery dying. So. The battery life Jenny, is terrible. Yeah, if anything, it might be better. Hmm. So that's good. Nice. Better optimization software, I would say. So how is the screen? Oh, uh, yeah, screen refresh. Are you Is the variable refresh good? And how's that going? Um, you can definitely notice um, a refresh difference when you have the screen on just the you know when you have it popped up like uh you look at your screen it turns on like the always on display uh you can see it's like the refresh is slower so you know it's not consuming as much power when you don't really need it if it's just a black screen with some white text on it uh and then if you go into a video or like a game it would bump up to 120 um hertz refresh which allows games to be able to actually show a difference between 1690 or 120. Because if you have a 120 refresh or like 120 rate, like frame rate in a game or 60, and your phone doesn't show the difference, it's not gonna be any difference to your eyes. So it's good to have phones if you have gaming in mind. That's funny, you know, I, have, I mean, not, not to totally yeah. be contrary here, but I almost feel the opposite. Like, yeah, some games generally look great at 60 and they can look better at 90, 90 or 120. But where I see the biggest difference personally with re refresh rate has always been with apps that are like text apps. When you're reading online and when I'm in Safari on my iPad or my phone, if I scroll, I, I notice the 120 hertz refresh rate a lot more because you can you can still read the text while it's scrolling because the refresh rate is so high. Yeah. That to me the big the biggest difference is in the UI animations and in text while you're scrolling like that everything about that looks a lot smoother to me. Whereas if I'm watching a video or if I'm playing a game, I notice it a little bit, but it's really not. For I guess for me personally, that's not really where the value is because a lot of things, a lot of games that can render it at sixty and still look really good, but versus if you're running UI animation or text, that's. That's where I see a bigger difference. So I think it's just funny. The, the, the couple different impressions, obviously, um, you might say that your games look better at 120, and I'm sure they do. But in my experience, at least, I've, I've noticed for me, it's things like text or animations or 
really just more basic things I think look even nicer when you have a higher refresh higher refresh rate display is uh, you know keep that text crisp while you're scrolling it. Yeah, I guess I haven't went about looking. I haven't read while scrolling. Usually I scroll after I'm done and scroll to the next part, but I could see how that would be nice to use. It definitely um, makes a difference depending on what kind of person you are. I mean, there's, you know, some people, they scroll up and they read and they scroll up and they read. And other people, I think, depending on, yeah, I think some people just kind of slowly scroll their feed or whatever they're reading, Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or email or text. And they read while they're slowly scrolling up. And I think for those people, it makes a bigger difference because then suddenly as it scrolls, it looks a lot sharper. Versus yeah. some people are just used to, you scroll up a little bit and then you stop and you read what's on the screen. And in that case, you're not really noticing the benefit necessarily as much because, you know, it looks smooth while it's scrolled up and now it's static and you're just waiting to read it. So I think partly it depends on your own behavior. I don't know. I, I'm kind of in between. Sometimes I scroll up and I read and sometimes I scroll and I read at the same time. I mean, I'm not, 60 looks good to me. 120 looks nicer, but I'm not one of those people. I, I, I always prefer other things. Show me better HDR, show me better resolution. For me personally, there's a lot of other aspects of the display that I care about more than the refresh rate. But once you get used to a high one and you go back to a non-high non refresh rate display, it just feels a little, uh, it just feels old, right? You just go, yeah. mm, feels a little, uh, it's a little laggy. Yeah, that's what I know it's like, when I didn't have the high, like, uh, what is it called? I guess high performance mode, right? In like a, a game, like where it uses the maximum, like resolution, maximum, like graphics, right? It just looks choppy to me. Like, so when I enabled it and then I had on my pixel, it just looks super smooth, like buttery smooth. And like, wow, how did I like mess out on this? Like, it was just a, like a whole new game to me. So I thought it was cool. So maybe if you go back to an old game and they have a setting, you can see if there's any difference on the iPad or new iPhones. Yeah. I mean, I, I noticed that because now my phone and my iPad are both on that Apple promotion 120 and like, it's like one, it's like 24 or 10, 10 Hertz all the way up to 120 refresh rate. And then I go to my beautiful iMac and it's stuck at 60 or whatever it is. And it still looks nice. Like it's a beautiful screen, but mm, I don't know. I do notice it sometimes, mostly when things are flying around. I use uh, spaces sometimes, the virtual desktop thing to go between yeah. different desktops. And it doesn't look bad, but you know, right now I'm going between them and it looks a little, it could be smoother, let's say. So yeah. um, all the, there's some rumors recently that Apple's next desktops, the, the big iMacs are going to get the 120 refresh. So, I think it's only a matter of time before most things get that. You know, you're always going to be able to buy like a, a four or $500 PC that has a really terrible spec and it's not going to have it. But if you're going to spend probably $1,000 or more, eventually you're going to get, you know, a high, rate, high refresh rate display. And that's going to be nice. I don't know. I think it's, it's a nice to have thing. I'm not like totally sold on it being the premier feature of something, but if it's there, it's nice. Is the... <laughs> Does a OnePlus 9 Pro have the variable or just one? I'm pretty sure it does. It 
it didn't have, I feel like, uh, didn't change dynamically as much as I noticed in the pixel, but it did have an LTPO screen, um, like the iPhone does and the pixel six pro. Uh, so yeah, it's just, you know, how they implement it, right? Like how apps are, or the OS is changing it on the fly. So. So how does the available refresh feel different? You you feel much of a difference between them? Yeah, well, like uh, the example I gave, it's basically when you turn on the screen and you haven't like logged in, it shows you just a black screen with uh, maybe some notifications and the time. Uh, in that point, they don't have it on like super high 120 hertz refresh because there's no need to. So you can like see it just like, really slowly refreshing it meaning you're not losing a battery it's pretty well like mm. optimized for that that's so. interesting how you can notice then yeah it just looks like it's not refreshing very fast so it's interesting to see that interesting to me that you can even see that because i know that my ipad and my phone they both have that 10 or 24 all the way to 120 refresh adaptive rate and I, to be honest, I don't really notice when it's less or more, you know, because it should, it should be seamless, right? You shouldn't really be able to tell. It should only go lower when you're not going to notice it. Like if you're reading a web page that's just static text, maybe you can refresh it 10 frames per second because you're not moving at all. But as soon as you touch it and you start moving, it should, it should jump all the way up to 90 oh, yeah. or 120. No, that's why I mean, like the screen itself, it's not changing anything right but you can still see like on the screen it's not it's not like i don't know yeah i can tell the difference between 10 and 60 i don't know if it can tell the difference 60 and 120 but i mean i i feel like if i'm reading if, I, if the entire screen is not changing at all i don't think you should be able to tell the difference between 10 and 120 because nothing is changing i think the only the only times you should see a difference is if anything is changing if something is moving or if there's scrolling happening, then you should be able to see a difference easily. But if it's just... Yeah, I'm not sure then. If it's just static, maybe it depends on the screen technology. But for the most part, the refresh rate shouldn't change too much as long as it's the same. Yeah, it just depends what you're showing. If you're trying to show motion, you'll see the difference, definitely. Yeah. Did you have uh, anything else, Alex or Nick? about the difference if I had any uh, impressions from it, I guess. It seems I mean, like... I guess my... Uh, sorry, go on. <laughs> it seems like there's nothing for you to complain about the fingerprint sense, right? Well, I, I've had, like, a couple of times where it's, like, doesn't read it completely and says, oh, partial fingerprint like, detected. So, like, okay, well, I just replace it and then it opens it. So it's not, like, a problem, like, everyone's complaining about i don't see like maybe it's a second to unlock it but it's not an issue like it's faster than having to finger it in for whatever your numbers are so hmm. i don't know i wouldn't know i haven't had to finger anything in to have my face id sensor but you know hmm. i'm spoiled i guess yeah you still have uh, to I swipe mean, up I... every time you do the Face ID on my phone, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, normally I'm wearing a mask for most of the day at work. And so when I swipe up, oh, that sucks. <laughs> I, I just like swipe up and then it goes, oh, you're wearing a mask. And then it checks that I'm wearing my watch and like half a second later just unlocks because right. it knows I'm, mm. I'm authenticated. So that's fine. I don't really care. It doesn't make that much of a difference as long as it works. But um, yeah, I, I haven't used I haven't used a thumb, uh, like a fingerprint reader on my phone since 2016, I think, or something. Whenever the iPhone 10 came out, I just been using the face thing, which has been fine. But yeah, I guess I guess the face, the fingerprint reader, is still a big deal for a lot of phones. I think my favorite face ID unlock thing was uh, on the Pixel 3 XL. It was awesome. It's like the only time I've actually had a legit one. Did, the other did one it have like, the actual 3D depth scanner map to like make it secure, yeah. or was it just checking your face? It like had a couple other face. sensors um, comparable, not as like detailed as like a Connect or the iPhones, but it had. Because that, that's one of the things that makes detailed. the iPhone one kind of like that's why it's a replacement for the touch thing. Because Apple's one, according to what they say, it's like a one in a million chance that it's wrong. It's supposed to be because it projects so many dots in your face that it can really tell who you are. I know at least the Windows thing, Windows Hello. It would just look at a flat picture and say, oh, this is your face. But then you could just hold up a picture to it and spoof it. So they, they go, it ranges from that all the way to the 3D depth. Like if people checked against the Apple one. You couldn't even use a like a, a 3D, like a literally a, f- a 3D physical sculpture of a person's face because it wasn't, it just didn't look real. Like the camera's pretty smart. So I think it goes, there's two extremes. There's like, there's the Apple version and the Microsoft version. I guess the Android one is pretty smart about that too. Like, I can tell there's, like, a 3D face in front of it? Uh, it depends on the manufacturer. Like, I think... I'm pretty sure it was a Pixel 3 XL. That's why I had a huge notch. They had put in a couple sensors in it to have, like, some depth to detect, like, yeah, this is a real person, not just a piece of paper that has a face on it. Hmm. Um, after that, I had some other phones that definitely was just a picture that it would take and then compare it to... Um, which is not secure at all, which is... No. Well, I mean, when you think about it, though, it's probably on one of those point. things where it's... That is probably secure enough for most people day-to-day. If I grab your phone and it looks at my face and it just doesn't look like your face, it's not going to let me in. I mean, that works, but that's still not that secure. I mean, it's not secure, but it still works for most circumstances. But for unlocking, not, yeah. Yeah, for unlocking. But at the end of the day, like... If you're if you're trusting your phone with, you know, secure information, you know, if you're gonna on your phone have your all your cards set up to do payments, mobile payments, or to do I don't know secure medical data bank or something, activity. bank activity, you probably do want it to be like at least as good as a fingerprint reader. So I, I think I guess some of the you said the Pixel Three had the advanced depth sensor, but it's pretty rare. I feel like a lot of those Android phones they have a little camera punch for it or like a cutout but most of them are really small because they don't include the full dot projector and like yeah. ir sensor for that so in that way people like shit on the apple notch but it's like the reason it's there is because they still need it to to do the really really secure face id versus just like looking at a picture and checking yeah but it sounds but like yeah. you're really into that phone so that's cool yeah i i enjoy it so far i haven't i think of you as a picture 
Yeah, I took a few a few year breaks, or was it a few? Maybe it's two years. You know, it seems like a few years because because it's so many phones and a year. So. <laughs> I feel like you get usually like a couple phones per year. Yeah, you, you kind of always uh, try to be between OnePlus and Pixel, right? Whenever this new high end phone, you just buy one. For before, yeah, RIP LG, but yeah, I had LGs before. It's true. Yeah, you did have that. Yeah, I wish the LG would come out with something, but they're dead. They're going on to bigger, better things. TVs, you know, appliances. I would. I, I still kind of. I want an LG TV. <laughs> I, I have. I have what was a high-end Sony, which is an LED display with local dimming, but it. Because I'm somebody who watches lots of dark movies, I guess, and lots of I use subtitles and everything. I want something with a lot less looming because that really bothers me. So I still keep thinking, oh, is this the year I buy an LG TV with OLED screen? But I also don't have any money. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. One of these the days. TVs I are will. supposed to be really great, though. I agree. I do like the uh, Webos uh, application in it. So. Yeah, you do. At least Webos lives on. Uh, yeah, sadly, I I remember when those with the HP touchpad went on fire sale, like in 2012 or whatever that was, and I was, it happened. Basically, they decided they were going to stop selling them, and they were saying, okay, well they're going to be half price or something for the rest of the month or whatever they sell out. And that was June or July of 2012 or 13. It was really a long time ago, and I remember being. I was on a camping trip. I was in town near where I was camping to like get some supplies. And I was like, fuck, I should buy one of these touchpads. And I almost fucking did it. But, you know, saner minds prevailed. I thought to myself, uh, I don't know. Like, I just bought this beautiful iPad. I don't need another tablet. But I, I totally regret not buying it because the those, the old HP, um, like the touchpad and any of the WebOS things, uh, they're awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm a super Apple fanboy, but WebOS has my heart as well because that's just a cool operating system. Yeah, they did like pretty much the the best implementation of multitasking until today. I'd say with the cards, you it's it definitely ahead of its time for sure. Yeah, and we can never we can never forget the time that I went to the fucking mall here. In Santa Cruz, and I went to the WebOS phone, and I went to the. I was trying to play around with it, and I looked into the notes, and, and there was a note in there that just said, "Fuck Trevor." Trevor like, sucks. I can't remember, but sorry, yeah, Trevor sucks. <laughs> I remember it's fuck Trevor, which is basically the same thing. But there was a note, and I did. I swear to you, I did. I did not type that. Trevor sucks, and it just said that. And Trevor and I were like, hmm. <laughs> Like, I feel like I, I probably I think I pulled out my iPhone to take a picture of that screen because it was so funny. We're, we're we're just trolling around in the fucking mall looking at these phones and oh, hmm, Trevor's up on this WebOS phone. And I almost that I almost just bought a WebOS phone right after that. I was like, okay, this is this is for me. <laughs> but that was really I'll, I always remember that. I always associate WebOS with good memories. <laughs> trolling around in the mall as an adolescent finding strange strange notes pertaining to people that I know. Yes. 
Listen to this another note that was like strangely like accurate. I don't remember what it said, but they were pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Um, yeah, that's my summary for the first week with the Pixel 6 Pro. Um, I do believe we have a song coming from Nick. Uh, he's mostly completed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did share um, some music recently. The last couple of week, the last week or something, I kind of worked on it, and then on, I guess on Halloween last week, I added a lot more and kind of I wouldn't say finished it, but got a good skeleton going with some fun little sounds. So it's been a while since I did something kind of orchestral like that. I've been kind of in a pop mood for a while. Now I've been listening to a whole lot of symphonic. At all, and I'm really in the symphonic mood, so I've been using a lot of orchestra stuff. So I sent Alex my song, and I, I'm assuming maybe it'll play at the end of this podcast. But I've been—I don't know—I've been feeling it, so it's been fun to produce something, you know, anything really, anything new. It's been kind of a while for me. Yeah, it's fun that we have a podcast that you could uh, share um, your music on. Um, yeah, you say that the you say it's a pretty rough. Maybe you say rough sketch, but and you titled the podcast or you titled the song "Roses and uh, Lead Paint." Um, how would you introduce that? What what? How'd you introduce yeah, the song? For, uh, because it's it's old. I mean, it's not all of it. So, like half of the song that I made, uh, I came up with a week ago. And then half of it, part of the, some of the stuff in that song I came up with 10 years ago. Um, it's like, it's a combination of things. I, I was playing around with, I was in the mood. Of, I started playing, I, you know, as I usually do, I sit down on my keyboard and I play some stuff and I go, what am I thinking about today? And then I was playing this song that I'd wrote, written, I don't know, six or eight or 10 years ago, a while ago. And I, just the beginning in that song, the, the, the pipe organ and the choir, that little melody, that's pretty old for me. And then I, from there I went on and I was like, okay, what can I add to this to make this into more of a song? So I, uh, Roses and Lead Paint, that's just that kind of, I guess it's the working title. It's not really a title. It's just yeah. when I think about the song, I was thinking about roses in the garden and old paint and like an old house. They used to put lead in the paint and that's why it was toxic. And so I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about ghosts. I'm thinking about the old Victorian houses here around <laughs> town. I'm thinking about, um, you know, just that aesthetic. I, I remember I was driving around and you see these beautiful old houses that are huge and they have two or three stories and they're ornate and Victorian and there's rose bushes outside and they're co- painted in these beautiful colors. And I, I just think to myself, what a beautiful place that would be for a ghost story. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's, so I just write music thinking about that, you know, the ghosts ghosts and if this was a movie what would be happening you know would you be meeting these ghosts would it be fun would it be horror would it be comedy would it be are they dancing with you like what's going on so i don't know it's just kind of fun and to keep in mind with all these songs that i the orchestral the orchestral songs i do for the most part it's it's designed to leave some space for what would be a rock or metal band behind it so where it gets kind of quiet you expect there to be more guitar there or something and it's hard for me to show that i have i actually have a version where i have all these kind of digital guitars and drums that sound pretty good but i don't share that because it doesn't sound great Mm -hmm. but it gives me an idea of how i'd want it to sound basically 
I want it to sound hard rock with an orchestra, <laughs> but I don't, you know, what yeah. I share with you guys is the orchestra version because I think that sounds a little cleaner. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. I like uh, comparing it. I don't know. I just hear like, I don't know. It's, I'll see yeah, like a, maybe a pirate ship, you know, it's like haunted and then like it's going through different areas mystical i don't know it's like it's what i thought of um i like the bellowing like choir in the back that's pretty cool i know i love i love choirs i love voices everything that's one of the reasons i like some of the music that i like the best use of choir really if you use a choir really well in a song i like it even more so i just have these digital choir samples that i use which are not great but they're they do the job but I, uh, I like that you point that out because I love human voices and I love human voices singing together and I love them in rock music. So if I ever have a say, I'm always going to add more choir. Yeah, when I, when I listen to it, it reminds me of, it might be a theme for a Final Fantasy video game. Um, is there, yeah, <laughs> I think that it depicted like an adventure or maybe there's some corrupt like society or something. That's what I kind of feel like is <laughs> a balance. There's, it, you could feel like you're going through a noble town and then you switch and you have to remember there's still a corrupt society out there. And, but, uh, um, did you have a world or anything in mind or, or what do um, you kind of i guess kind of like i had, I had mentioned there for me it, it is still kind of ghostly for some reason because it's october i've been thinking about spooky things so for me it's more about it was a, a little bit more romantic like a like a ghost story in an old house and then you have these different parts of fear and then a little bit of comedy and then a little bit of just majestic like this is you experiencing something supernatural and for me that comes out as something really huge and like lots of instruments very grandiose um for me i i, I for this song personally i'm a little bit stuck in um something a little supernatural which is not necessarily what it sounds like but i'm just saying that's what that's what it sounded like to me yeah but i definitely i appreciate hearing the adventure aspect or the the final fantasy aspect um i listen to some of those final fantasy soundtracks or the music and I, I like them too a lot of people a couple of people who i've shown my music to always say oh it reminds me of something that would be in a, a movie or a video game mm-hmm. because most of those people don't know that i listen to rock music that, have, that has an orchestra with it <laughs> but um yeah, I mean, I take it as a compliment. I think it's, I think it's fun. I think a lot of, uh, a lot of music tells stories, right? A lot, of, almost everything, poems, poetry, music, stories, all, all of it. It's telling you something, and whether it's something that very, sometimes it's a really simple thing. You know, some things you just, you listen to a song and it's very straightforward, and you you hear it. Other times it's very complex. Other times, but it's, it's always telling you something, right? You go either musically or lyrically or both on some sort of journey that's telling you about, um, it's telling you a story. And so I like to, I like to try to tell a kind of a little bit of a story with what I do, whether it's 
a, a really hard part with a bunch of instruments and drums, or it's a quieter part with just um, some bells and chimes or whatever. But um, I don't know. That's that's how I do it. It's just you know, it's always for me. I feel I try to like I I am entertained by it, but I also realize it depends how you how you approach it. For the average person, they might think this sounds really wow. This is super advanced. This person knows how to write music for orchestra. And then for me, I think to myself, if you showed this to an actual person who knows how to write for orchestra, I don't know what the hell I'm doing because I don't. <laughs> you know, so it depends what perspective you come from. If you don't, if you're just if you're just listening to it as a as a layperson, it sounds impressive. If you're listening to it technically as an orchestrator, it sounds ridiculous because it's probably not done technically proficiently at all. But at the end of the day, I enjoy doing it. So anyway, I'm happy to share it with you guys because, um, hey, it's nice to have somebody else listen to it sometimes. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's just me at home alone. <laughs> yeah, I don't really edit the video or I don't really like know how to put the the sound at the end of the video or before the video. <laughs> I don't really... Um, so you'd have to listen to it on the podcast if you want to listen to the song. Um, uh, well, if you want help with that, um, I know somebody <laughs> can help you with that. So yeah, just let just me know. DM at uh, Nick Chow on Twitter. He'll send you a link. That's right. Yeah, Nick underscore on uh, Instagram. Oh, right, right. Sorry. <laughs> if you want yeah, to uh, contact me. Yeah, he's looking for a band join is what he's I'm saying. looking for a band i'm looking for print sales for my photography i'm looking for i, I want it all i want i want money in I my bank <laughs> so whatever i can do for you to lead to money in my bank i will do my very best legally to do for you anyway i'm i mean also thanks for listening to it because um, like i said most of the time I make these songs, I just listen to them myself and I go, oh, that's kind of fun. And then I don't do anything with it. So just sharing them with a couple of people is just fun to know that somebody listened to it and likes likes to listen to it. So thanks. That's kind of fun. Yeah. So I'll, I'll send you the video and you could add your, your song to it. <laughs> and yeah. Thank you for yeah. recording the second video and your time and- i guess uh talk to you later <laughs> yeah talk so. to you later. bye yeah okay.